On this week's thoughts from the shade, we'll respond to a call into the spot in the shade line and talk a little bit about the fall classic Sands are Philadelphia Phillies. The Eagles move to 7-1 and one against Washington and in come the Dallas Cowboys. The college football playoff rankings come out tomorrow, Halloween, and we've got more picks to offer. Let's do it. And we'll welcome everybody back to episode 109 of Thoughts in the Shade. Halloween week. A little pre-Halloween recording. Bomb. Any uh, any costume parties? What are you dressing up as this year for, for old Halloween? I'm not dressing up as anything, G. Are you dressing up? I'm just giving the candy out, man. I mean, what more do you, you want you, from me? You want me to dress up? You getting, you getting ready to treat, treat the, the neighborhood kids? Oh, absolutely! I got two monster bags of candy ready to go. Got to give it out. Can't can't be can't be digging into that as as a uh, you know a thirty something the day after. Got got to give it all out. That's that's uh, what I told uh, my roommate, and uh, I, I started to dig into the candy already. So f- felt a little bad. We're gonna leave a few lollipops, a few Snickers, and but that that's the other thing. Like you, you dive into it. And you see how much candy they bought for the kids in the neighborhood. I'm like, this has got to get out the door. Uh, like, th- this is like a Fanatics t-shirt that's printed completely wrong. Like, this has got to get out. Uh, it can't be here. We got to get it out to the people. Uh, but totally with you. Like, I'm like, we got we to pawn this off at work or, or something. Because if the if the candy stays in the crib, cavities are coming, the gut's growing, it's it's bad news. But I, I'm, I'm shocked, Bob. I, I thought you'd be in the spirit. Maybe throwing on a mask or a costume tomorrow, or hitting hitting like a, a good old costume party. I, th- I thought I'd take you as a, you know, big celebratory Halloween guy. I got invited to a costume party, and my my um, lovely wife went, and your boy Bomb just decided to go on a golf trip to North Carolina with Big Meech. So you know, everyone's got their interest. G, you want to go to the you want to go do the costume party? Bomb wants to play golf. I'm a. Uh... I I got a complaint from from my from my SO. We didn't go to a costume party. I want to have a Halloween party, and I'm just like, you know, it's it's not really for me. Like like you said, different strokes and, and everything. But like, I I never really liked dressing up like past like the trick or treating days. You know, I always fudged something in in high school and college. But I, I'm I'm not a big costume guy. But to each their own. I guess I, I got to work on my my self esteem. Uh, a little bit, but we'll wish everybody a happy Halloween. If you got the kids out there, load them up with some candy. Uh, hopefully, not too many sugar rushes and, and sleepless nights uh, after after the pillowcase is is filled up like a Santa sack. Uh, but let's let's not waste any more time. We did have a call from last week. We were looking for it last week. We didn't get it until post post record post episode. We got a call into the spot in the shade line. Uh, at two one five three eight five five one six four, whatever you got, send it in. Leave the voicemail. We'll play it on the show and we'll respond. Let's see what we got. Boys, uh, the Don here. I'm listening to this week's episode and I'm hearing, oh, the Don didn't call here. The Don this, the Don that. Uh, do a wellness check. Well, 
look, I just want to call in and let everybody know that I'm doing okay. Um, I'm getting past this just like anybody else's. I'll say this, it's, it's now Wednesday, or excuse me, it's now Thursday, and, and uh, I, I feel just as bad as I did the other night after the game. Like, it's not – maybe I'm getting a little bit past it, but you let one slip, and it's something that years from now I think we'll look back on it and say, man, we, just another, another, another giant opportunity miss for the city to win a championship. But, you know, I, I do just want to make one comment. I, I can sit here and – Joined Bomb in, in, the, in the party of bashing Aaron Nola uh, and bashing Craig Kimbrell, and they deserve it. They deserve the blame and serve the bat. But you know, I, I, I not to blame the fans, but I, I think maybe it speaks to noticing something about the clientele in the stadium that Bomb was getting to as well. I think once you get to the NLCS, these events get very, very, very. I don't want to say corporate. I don't, you know, maybe corporate's the word, maybe stuffy is the word, but it starts to become this like popularity contest. Well, I'll put a picture on Instagram at me at the game. Look at me. I haven't, I haven't been to a baseball game in 15 years. Um, and here I am at the NLCS because I'm a real fan or the World Series because I'm a real fan. I think it's even worse at the World Series level. I think you still get your, your diehard at, you know, take a wild card or a DS series, but. You know, like I, I walked into that game, and then self-admittedly, I, I don't get to it. Bomb can attest. I used to get to a hell of a lot of games, and life kind of gets in the way, whether it's you know family and house and things like that. But you walk in, and you're you're ready to bring it, just the same way you used to bring it when you used to go to more games. But then you, the bar bomb was mentioned about the guy in the barber coat. Like get get the hell out of here. You're not you're not a fucking fan. So it, 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 it's a joke. But then I, I boil it down to how this could all be solved. Let the security people ask a question to these people. And it's a simple question. Dan walks in, looks questionable. You ask him. Hey, maybe, maybe you just do it on a small sample. Explain to me what a double switch is. You know, we don't seem that, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a different game nowadays. Just explain to me what the concept of a double switch is. If somebody can do that, enter in the stadium. Just say, hey, look, regular season, come with as you are. When you want the real fans in there, the CS and the World Series, ask them the question. Explain to me what a double switch is. And if they do it, you get to take their seat. If not, back to fucking Jetro with the rest of the peons. That's all I got to say. I'm doing all right. This call helped me vent a little bit. But uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for keeping me in mind. Back to Jetro with the rest of the, the peons. The double switch. Is the double switch kind of outdated now, Bomb, with, with the full-time DH in both leagues? Well, I mean, the way the way Rojas swung the bat, I think there were a couple opportunities in the CS to pull it off there. And, you know, I like the idea. I think something of a quiz, something, you know, there needs to be some sort of a knowledge assessment, you know, to walk in. Or or how about this? If if, if you get it wrong, the price just went up. Okay, the price just went up. Um, I, I'm not sure Terry Francona back in the day would have been able to gain entry in a veteran stadium if this, if this rule existed then. So... You know, maybe it just has to be fans. I, I don't know. Do we do we have to do something where maybe we assess the managers and the players' ability to properly verbalize what a double switch is, and then and then do a downward adjustment on a bell curve for the fans? I don't know what it is, but there's got to be something. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and I, I'm not I'm not saying like the double switch isn't like the right trivia question or, or knowledge check because uh, it it does show you have a little historic knowledge of the game. You're not just a new fan. 
Uh, but yeah, we, 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 we might've been able to, to use one or two of those throughout that, that CS with, uh, the pitcher Rojas batting in the nine hole there. But, uh, we're sitting here Monday evening ahead of, of game three of the world series and the diamondbacks went to Texas and, and got a split, uh, could have easily been up to nothing. Uh, they, they, I'm I'm just used to saying the word choke after watching the Phillies, um, but but they pissed away game one, uh, and, and credit to Texas there. But Arizona comes back after getting punched in the mouth in game one, and they dominate game two and and blow them out, and and now they've got home field advantage uh, in the World Series, and and bomb as as our baseball aficionado. I mean, how how are you feeling about this series so far? I think the biggest takeaway here is the Phillies absolutely are not one of the best two teams. I'm sorry. Um, You could sit here and say they missed an opportunity. I agree they missed an opportunity. But if you watch game one and game two, you can't sit here and say that the Phillies deserve to be there. I watched a couple things. So game one, obviously, the furious comeback by by the Rangers. Oh, my gosh. Gee, we, we saw what a $300 million shortstop can do in a big moment. I've never seen that before. I mean, uh, this guy had all the ample opportunity last series to to do it, and he just didn't come through. And then you look at Mr. 300 down in Texas, Seager just pops one. They win it. They have their Mr. Clutch, uh, Adolis, you know, send one over the wall. So I, I see a team there that, that showed some fight, showed some grit back with their backs against the wall in game one at home. And we saw none of that from the Phillies. Really saw none of that. And then game two, you see the opposite happen. Like Arizona needs a dub on the road. They come out and just fucking dominate. And then they keep tacking on. They keep tacking on. Their pitcher's out there dotting. Merrill Kelly is out there dot, dotting. What does our number two guy do? He doesn't dot anything. He, he does nothing. He just gives up bomb after bomb. And even though their pitcher is is out there dealing, you know what? They tack on. They run the bases. They steal. It's it's an exciting brand of baseball. And what I'm seeing here are two teams that that deserve to be there. So for all these people that say, oh, the bats just went cold at the wrong time. Oh, you know, Arizona just got, no, 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 no. Those two teams deserve to be there. The Phillies did not. But Arizona only won 84 games, and they have a percentage of the payroll that the, that the Phillies have on the books. Yeah, and they're also the fifth team, I think, since 1900 to start four players in a World Series under age 24. So you want to go out there and spend 300 on on Mr. Uh, Mr. Standing O, be my guest, but pick the fucking shortstop that's going to come through in the moment. Yeah, Seager, Seager coming up clutch. I watched a little bit of the ALCS, and I think he botched a ball uh, in a in a tight spot uh, against Houston, and he came up the next inning and like let off with a double, started a rally, and I think Texas came back to win that game. So, yeah, the the, the balls on these guys. I just feel like we lacked a little bit of balls, despite the you know the hand celebrations at every you know shitty dribbler that got through. We were still playing with our balls, and I didn't really mention it last week, but like that Phillies team, uh, likable, fun, yeah, but maybe a little too cocky, man. And like again, I go back to people that were like, "Why are we celebrating the clinch, popping bottles? Why are we popping bottles when we beat the Marlins?" And I know it's like a traditional baseball thing to do, right? To pop bottles at, at every step of the way. But maybe next year after all, all the cockiness and, and, and grabbing our sacks and popping bottles at, at each step, like maybe next year if we're, if we're making another push, you know, may, maybe a guy like Kyle Schwarber is like, hey, guys, 
you know, this hasn't worked out for us. Let's let's let the main thing be the main thing. Like take a Jalen Hurts esque approach. Like I know he, you know, we celebrated the NFC Championship, but I mean, we got to be a little bit more business like in our approach. And people will probably kill me for that. And be like, dude, but it's baseball. Well, it hasn't been getting the job done, and I, I feel like we got we got a little too cocky and played a pesky Diamondbacks team that wanted it more. Man, out baseballed us. I, you know, you know my stance. I don't have a problem with the celebrations. I have a problem with talking about the celebrations before the celebration occurs. I mean, the, the, the Stubbs thing was a total, total joke. I mean, at this point, you know, you could sit here and say, "Oh, will the Phillies get back?" And what are they going to do? I, I, and we can sit here and talk about the impact of the wild card and the fact that Atlanta clinched and then and then didn't come into the playoffs hot. Whatever you want to believe. At this point, having gone to a World Series and lost, having gone seven in an NLCS and lost two in a row at home, um, if this team comes out in fucking April and May and June and sleepwalks through the first three months of the goddamn season uh, and, and then just expects everybody to get back on board for another fucking run with, you know, the Phil's win playlist on Spotify. No, I'm out on all that. Nothing short of a fucking division will satisfy me. This team should come out and dominate. They should win 100 games. And and, and really, I, I think settling for these wild cards, just so you can, oh, we, we just want a ticket to the dance. We just want a ticket to the dance. Like, that's all well and good when you're Arizona and, and you're a team with, with no payroll. You are paying people hundreds of millions of dollars. Win a fucking division. It's funny to uh, I know we talk off of our of our old men on this podcast, but I I saw my dad after the Phillies lost, and he's like, I turned on you know the sports radio. Like he he's always he's always more intrigued by the sports radio after a loss that than a win, and I, I think it's uh, I think it's certainly more entertaining, right? But he's like, there was a woman that called in and the day after the loss. She said she couldn't wait for fucking spring training. She had the countdown going already. Like these people are out of their minds, and it is, it is pretty remarkable. But again, if with every fan base, Penn State, the zombies keep coming back. Flyers, the zombies keep coming back, and everything like that. But the day after that, we we've got a countdown to spring training. Uh, I mean, I'm sure she's a nice lady, but goddamn, how, how's that your first thought after witnessing uh, that that collapse that we did? It's bad. I don't know. Do we think Schwarber can 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 heat up in spring training and maybe hit two ten, two 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 eleven? It's a fucking I joke. Mean, he picked up the average clip in the playoffs, but yeah, I I, I hear you. Um, yeah, the World Series rolls on, and so do our Philadelphia Eagles with a thirty eight thirty one victory on Sunday. At FedEx Field against the Washington Commanders, who for one reason or the other just continue to dice up the Eagles' defense. But fortunate for us, Jalen Hurts had a career day. I believe the offense only punted twice all day. They fumbled and turned it over twice inside the 10-yard line. Still hung 38 uh, on Washington. So uh, a great performance, I thought, from the offense. Uh, obviously not a great performance from the defense. It's Dallas week. Uh, we host the Cowboys Saturday, and I'm, I'm getting into Wii mode. Is that is that a violation? I'm getting into Wii mode. But um, just takeaways, thoughts uh, on, on the game Sunday uh, versus Washington. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a ton of takeaways. I mean, Jalen Hurts just finds a way. This team just finds a way. But I think it's a little disgusting. You know, I throw around the term managerial malpractice when I see a, an MLB manager fuck something up. Can we call out media malpractice here, G? The fact that we're just now learning that Jalen Hurts has a bruised knee or whatever it is we want to call it. I'm not even sure that's actually what it is because he wasn't showing up on a fucking injury report, but he's looked gimpy for the last... He's looked gimpy since week one. Let's just call it what it is. He looked gimpy when he rolled out there and he saw Judon in the red sleeves. Okay? So I, I, I have concerns with a guy limping up and down a field in week eight. And say what you want, and you hear the radio today... He proves he can do it from the pocket. Did we did we have any questions about him doing it from the pocket? I, I want a quarterback that's going to be healthy and not nicked up. I don't want to be dealing with a Joe Burrow situation. And, and granted, yeah, he looked a little better this week. They won the game. But I don't want something that's going to sit here and fester for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. And then crunch time, you got to have it. Now we're rolling him out there fucking... January 1st to play JG because we need we need him in a spot to clinch home field and clinch the bye. So I, I just, I really have a big issue with the fact that all this stuff is being poo-pooed and swept under the rug. And it doesn't seem like there's any investigation from these so-called journalists. It's it's an absolute joke. Yeah, I mean, we, we, just, we just watch the game and come on the pod and talk about it. And I don't think it was media malpractice on our end, but we, we don't have the whole conglomerate of, you know, beat reporters and, uh, you know, inside the huddle and, and all, all the access. Right. But I think, I think we've called it out for a long time. So, you know, maybe, maybe we were onto something before, uh, before the insiders, but yeah, it, I, I don't think anybody had a question of whether or not he could do it. Uh, I don't think, we talked about him regressing or anything like that, but he, he, like we pointed out that he was struggling. And I think part of it's due to the change in offensive coordinator. I think that man still has work to do. And I think part of it was just that he's, he's not healthy. Um, which leads me to another point. And we texted about it immediately, immediately as it happened. Um, the tush sweep, uh, came out. When the Eagles sealed the game uh, just below the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter, already leading by a touchdown, just needing a yard uh, to ice the game, and they go with the tush sweep. They go with a different look out of the tush-push formation, and DeAndre Swift, he doesn't go down in bounds. He takes it to the crib, uh, and, the, and the game extends. So you can say what you want about you know Swift and, and taking it to the house or whether he's got to pull a B-West and, and get down. Uh, you know, that's an argument for not for me, but uh, just for them to for them to show that play. And I know they, they might have passed out of it earlier in the year or done something different out of the tush bush earlier in the year. Um, but in that spot where the game is basically on ice and you just need a yard uh, to, to totally put it on ice. Uh, do you want to put that on film? I don't. I also don't want to score a touchdown. I mean, you say you're not the guy to talk about the B West thing, but like you need a yard and you don't need to score scoring there can only hurt you. So I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by the fact that there's no talk about Washington even have like they had an onside kick. Like they went down and scored and had an onside kick and an opportunity. And I, I, I just, I, I'm blown away by number one, burning that play there and showing it. 
unless you have something super creative coming out of it, like a, like a jet reverse next week, you know, to the, to somebody coming back and wham, blo- presumably wham blocking the backside for a, a tush sweep. But I, I don't get it, and I, and I also just don't get scoring. It it's to me as as good as the offense has begun to look. It feels as though. And this is my opinion. I I don't I don't think I've heard anybody else verbalize. It feels as though the Eagles' offensive strategy is I think you use the word force feed, but I'll use a different word. Like let's let's just stat stuff because we have so many guys, and we need to get DeAndre his touchdown, and we need to get AJ his 125 yards, and nobody's ever done it. And it feels a little bit forced, and it feels like they're just if they have the opportunity, they're just stuffing stats to keep everybody happy. Yeah, it's interesting because I've I've heard people say that they've they've gotten away from the run game, right? And they've they've continued to force it to AJ and Smitty has a nice day yesterday. I mean, everybody got was involved yesterday, especially in the passing game. They spread it around, um, but but I, I heard I heard some folks concerned that they're not they're not running the ball and it's going to bite them in the ass later. But then you know if they want to ask a question to Nick S or, or BJ, they can point to to Swift's you know. He, well, he scored, and you know he he put some yards together. But uh, we we have kind of pointed out that the, the pass attempts. You, you look at the Jets game, uh, and even yesterday, the pass attempts versus rush attempts. Uh, not a ton of balance there. But in terms of like the sweep, um, I, I commented from uh, the the podcast Instagram account at TFTS Pod. Follow us there. Follow us on X. I commented on the Eagles like real of them pumping like the sweep and the celebration and everything. And I was like, not sure. I love that they burn this play in this time and place. And I, I got a lot of likes, but I got a lot of, a lot of uh, dislikes you could say, and a lot of feedback in the comments and people were saying, well, it gives, uh, uh, it gives teams something else to think about out of this formation. They can't just jam the middle, which is a fair point. And they also said that, you know, Hurts is hurt, so we don't want to send him into the pile, into the muck yet again. So I think there's some validity to that too. And and we've chatted off air about, you know, too much tush push and stuff like that. Um, but but I'm kind of with you. Like and I think those points are valid, right? Like make teams think about something else out of that formation. But I don't think the tush push needed any help yet. Like it didn't need any help. It always works, or ninety two percent, whatever you want to say. It doesn't need the help yet, so save that for a, a gotta have it spot when they when they don't see it coming. Um, so that was kind of my take there. Um, but yeah, great great day offensively. Uh, defensively, not so much. I mean, what do, what do you pin the defensive struggles on against Washington? Do they just like? I mean, we we've had Gannon. Now we have Desai, and two games of Desai against Washington. He's gotten dice. I don't know if we put it on him. I don't know if it's on the players or. You give Washington credit for moving Howell out of the pocket and uh, kind of eliminating that Eagles pass rush a little bit. Yeah, I'm not as concerned about the defense. I mean, I think Washington presents a lot of unique problems for the Eagles. Number one, they're divisional opponents, and they know what the Eagles like to do. They see the Eagles. They know the Eagles' personnel. They know what they like to do defensively. So, I mean, Hal. He can move around and he can extend plays and they have they do have some weapons on the outside and if not for a couple drops and some 
some boneheaded coaching by Ron Rivera, I think their offense probably does enough to maybe win that game. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not, to be perfectly frank, I'm just not as concerned about it because it seems like we're always in a dogfight with the Redskins. Yeah, I agree. And people people that are panicked about the defense, I mean, look at their performance the week before against Tua and Tyreek Hill uh, and the Miami Dolphins. So uh, we'll, they'll get a chance to redeem themselves uh, in front of a raucous crowd at the link on Sunday against Dallas, uh, who showed out well out of the bye week against the Rams. Um, will you be in attendance, Bomb, for Eagles Cowboys? I'll be there. It'll actually be Bomb's first game of the year. So, you know, wake me up when it's November and we have a divisional game against a winning team, and that is this Sunday. I'll be there. Clocks are going back. Clocks are going back an hour. So it's going to be dark. Your boy Bomb will be locked in, ready to go, sitting there high above the 35-yard line Eagles sideline. Let's let's just totally throttle the Cowboys. We didn't talk about Kenny Gainwell. Uh, obviously, he has the fumble in the first half in, inside the 10-yard line, uh, taking away a, an opportunity for the Eagles to put some points on the board. Uh, but I don't know if I should say more importantly, but more uh, on the entertainment side, this guy was responding to a fan Instagram message at halftime. The screenshot shows somebody, some unhappy Eagles fan messaged Kenny G on Instagram, hold on to the ball, you effing bum, at 2.06 p.m. And Kenny G at halftime writes back, lil boy, don't text me. And the guy writes back, get off your phone, just use some glue, I'm trying to win it all, keep grinding though. How about Kenny G mixing it up with the fans in game on the cell phone? Like, Kenny, I hate to break it to you. That guy didn't text you. He sent you a fu- It's a DM, bro. It's a DM. I mean, even the bubbles are different colors. How do you... Does he think that's a text? It's If he thinks that's a text, it's concerning because this guy may already be exhibiting signs of CTA, dropping the football and thinking it's a text, and then texting fans in the middle of the game. I would suspend him. I'd say, you know what? You want to get on the fucking field and you're sitting there responding to this shit at halftime? It's it's a disgrace. Yeah, I think I think I saw uh, just before we hopped on that Nick Sirianni addressed it with, with Kenny, um, but I didn't see I didn't see anything about a, a penalty or a suspension or any disciplinary action. But I feel like a lot of people have called for like. Kenny G to just go away, just be the backup and, and full-time Swift, uh, which which I tend to agree with, but they just haven't been running the ball enough. And that's kind of just how the Eagles operate with their running back position is it's uh, it's typically a committee, but I, I'd like to see more Swift and full-time Swift, but it just is what it is. Let, uh, let, let d- Kenny gear up for those games that you don't need at the back half of the year if you clinch the one. Like Kenny should be the feature back there against like Arizona and New York. Agreed. Um, and I don't think, you know, this is just to put the, the performance in, in context uh, for Jalen. Whether he's on a bum leg or not, uh, this is courtesy of our boy Dave Zingaro of NBC Sports Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts on Sunday became just the third Eagles quarterback ever to complete 75% of his passes for 300-plus yards and four-plus passing TDs in a game. Joining Nick Foles from 2013 against the Raiders 
And Donovan McNabb did it twice, 07 against the Lions and 05 against the Niners. Um, Pretty remarkable. Like, I feel like you watch that game and, you know, he's going off and and AJB is going off, but to put it in in the uh, the record books with with some of those historic performances, uh, I feel like if you just watch the game, you you wouldn't realize how well the guy played, but... uh, just between the injury and some of the stuff we've seen throughout the year, uh, super pumped to see that kind of performance out of Jalen Hurts against a Washington defense that uh, you know slowed down that that high flying Giants offense the week before. <laughs> Any thoughts on uh, on Dallas thus far? They they get the big win against the Rams. Uh, I think the Eagles are sitting as a three-point favorite heading into Sunday afternoon. Um, I, I know a lot of sports betting experts were very high on on Dallas this year to to win the division, to maybe make the Super Bowl. Heck, I picked them uh, in the Super Bowl for our preseason p- predictions. Uh, but but a little bit of an up and down year for Dallas. They sit at five and two. Obviously, the the embarrassing loss at Arizona. And another embarrassing loss when they got blown out by San Francisco on Sunday Night Football. Uh, but they they come into this game against the Eagles, winning two in a row against the Chargers and the Rams. The sweep of LA. Nah, I don't have any thoughts. I mean, this is this is their Super Bowl. So would I be surprised if Dallas won the game? No, I wouldn't be surprised. This is when they peak. They peak heading into Thanksgiving. They peak every November. So we're here sitting here in October. The game's in November. This is it. They'll have the halftime show on fucking Thanksgiving. We'll be digging into fucking turkey and cranberry sauce stuffing. They'll look like world beaters. And then they'll go into the playoffs. Everyone will be hyping them up. And they'll just fucking shit down their legs. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm confident in this Eagles team. But I, I don't think a loss here is bad. I don't think a loss here would be surprising. I'm interested in seeing uh, the Eagles play against the you know, a divisional opponent here in the Cowboys and a rival and a team that, that's going to show up motivated to, to beat them. So we'll learn a lot about the Eagles. I, I don't think win, lose, or draw, we'll learn anything about the Cowboys. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's doomsday if the Eagles lose this game. Uh, I, I don't foresee them in, in any way getting blown out unless, like, Jalen Hurts hurts his leg and can't play in the game in the majority of the game. But... It's interesting, like, I guess it's just because it's division and familiarity, kind of like the Washington situation, but, like, between Bozo, McCarthy, and, and Bum Prescott, like, I feel like this this is another team that kind of gives the Eagles trouble uh, in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, and they see them, right? They know them, they know what they want to do, so, yeah, same, same points as the uh, skins. I do think it's funny how the narrative is beginning to shift now from, oh, the... The Eagles didn't play anybody last year. And then the beginning of the year, it was, well, they have a gauntlet. They have to play Miami and Dallas and Buffalo and San Francisco. And all those teams look like absolute dog shit. The Eagles handled Miami easily. I mean, if they hand, imagine if they win two out of three with between Dallas, Buffalo, and San Francisco. What are they going to talk about? Oh, those teams are having a little bit of a down year. I thought you told us we were... You know this this team wasn't wasn't prepared to play the big dogs. Such a fucking joke. Heck, even Kansas City takes the L to uh, to Denver yesterday. Really lightens exactly. up the schedule coming forward. <laughs> it, it, exactly. I mean, it's such a joke. The 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 
Again, media malpractice. The stuff that these guys like work themselves into a tizzy over in like April, May, and June when nobody is watching football. Like they didn't play anybody last year. They raced out to a good start and then held on and got the one seed. Well, that's exactly what we're gonna fucking do this year, asshole. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. So we, we've got Dallas Sunday, then the, followed by the bye at Kansas City, hosting Buffalo and San Fran, and then at Dallas. Again, and I guess I guess we can throw at Seattle in there, right? That's playoff team, borderline this year, playoff team last year. So what's that? Six games. I mean, realistically, what it, what are you projecting for the six games, record wise? I think five and one. Five and one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I think the biggest hurt, the biggest. I think the if I if you had asked ask me which game the loss is going to be, I think the the highest risk game is this week heading into a bye. Hurts dinged up, but I think you know if it is a bone bruise, is, which is what they're saying on his knee. You know, I think a week off the legs can do him some good. Go into KC fired up. I mean, hopefully they put everybody on the skates and they walk out in Arrowhead with their Flyers gear on because you never know when George Toma is going to pop his fucking dumb head up. But uh, no, I, th- I think the Eagles go five and one. Worst case, four and two. But I don't even think it's five hundred. I think all those teams are perpetually overrated. Yeah, it's like you you talked about April and and May and, and the off season and even like me like I think you had them at twelve or thirteen wins again or maybe thirteen fourteen and I think I was more in the eleven twelve range and I I looked at this this portion of the schedule and thought man like that that's pretty tough but. I mean, the strength of Kansas City this year has been their defense. Buffalo, they're they're so banged up on defense, and and Josh Allen's turning the ball over, and Sean McDermott's way too involved on the offensive side there. San Francisco's coming apart. Brock Purdy hit his head again yesterday, so uh, the 49ers fans can say that, oh, we're injured, and if we had this guy, we could have done this. Um, So, you know, preseason i'd be looking for a split maybe three and three over these next six but i i think it's four and two or better uh this this eagles team despite how it looks on on any given day continues to get it done uh and no reason not to against against this this group of teams i mean i think you split with dallas and, and maybe drop one more um but i mean buffalo and san fran at home like that doesn't scare me at all at this point no Nah, and I'll be I'll be jacked up. I'll bring it. I'm gonna bring my one ten. Gee, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it. I'm gonna bring it. Let's go. Uh, trying to think. Anything else on the Eagles, Cowboys, NFL? No, I mean this is it's when the clocks go back and you get that you get that forty degree day. It's the worst, but it's the best. Like it's it's the absolute worst for you yourself, knowing you're just gonna, you know, eat the nachos, eat the chili, watch the football, drink the beer. Like it's it's the best time of year for football, and it is the worst for you physically. It's yeah, it's like a bear going into hibernation is really, really what it is. Um, don't forget, show is sponsored by our great friends at Menard Premium Detailing, the number one detail service in Bucks County. Follow them on social media at Menard Premium Detailing uh, and catch them at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, happy Halloween again, everybody, and also happy first 
annual college football playoff rankings. Uh, I feel like we haven't done a, a solid deep dive on the college football landscape uh, since maybe earlier in the year. Uh, we've talked about Penn State. They looked like shit again against a very much inferior opponent in Indiana, uh, winning by nine points as a 31-point favorite. And I think they're in the danger zone again this Saturday at Maryland, uh, only laying 10.5 against Baby Tua. Baby Tua again. Um, but the first rankings are coming out. And, Bob, I think it's time we take a look at the rankings, the AP rankings, ahead of the CFP rankings. Um, let's see you know, who's in our top four now. Uh, and, and what teams can win the national title or, or, you know, make some noise should they get to the playoff, maybe get to the national championship game? Because it's it's wide open. You, you see Oklahoma take a loss this weekend, so there's no undefeated team in the Big 12. I think Washington is the only team left standing in the Pac-12 without a loss. Uh, obviously, Ohio State and Michigan are unscathed. Georgia's unscathed. Florida State looks like they're on track to run away with the ACC and finish the season undefeated. Um, so if you had the rank, if, if you were on the committee for Tuesday night, who are you putting in your top four? If Baum was on the committee for Tuesday night, who's my top four? And this, obviously, this is, uh, this is not a projection of which teams I think will make it. This is based on right now, right now, if the season ended today, who are my teams? Number one, Georgia. Number two, Washington. Number three, Michigan. And then you're sitting there, and and, and it feels like there's a, quite a bit of a drop-off there. You have undefeated Ohio State at 8-0. You have undefeated Florida State at 8-0, who have literally played played nobody other than LSU, who they throttled week one. Um, you And then you have a bunch of one-loss one loss teams, right? You, you've got uh, Oregon, Texas, Bama, Penn State, Oklahoma, and Ole Miss. Way down at the bottom, actually, Mizzou and Louisville, still 7-1. and one. Um, I guess you kind of have to obviously stick with an undefeated team. I, I don't know. I think I'd hold my nose and take Florida State there and leave Ohio State out. So for me, Georgia, uh, Washington, Michigan, and uh, Florida State. Very interesting. I mean, I think I think it goes unsaid that that Georgia is still still king, right? Back to back national champs, uh, light schedule in the SEC East this year. But after kind of a shaky start and maybe some eyebrow raising at the Bulldogs, uh, been taking care of business, uh, dispatching the Gators uh, in Florida. On Saturday, forty-three to twenty. So I, I got Georgia at one. Number two, uh, I know you you mulled it over, but I'm going with Florida State. Uh, they 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 crushed LSU. Uh, they won at Clemson, and we know Clemson has totally fallen apart. Dabo is has really mailed it in on, on the team and on the program and on the season. If you haven't heard any of his comments in the press, uh, and also a win over Duke, who you know despite. The quarterback being dinged up, Duke has been no slouch. And you look around some of these schedules, not a lot of teams have played a lot of teams. So I, I got to give give credit to Florida State. And I, I really like their offense. I like their quarterback, their big receivers. Uh, got to give Florida State some flowers there. Uh, so Georgia, 
Florida State, and let's go with with Penix, the Southpaw, who's just chucking bombs all over the Big Twelve. Believe he's the current favorite for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, the Washington Huskies. I'll throw them at three. They had the big win against Oregon, uh, but the schedule, the last uh, quarter, or, or I should say, third of this schedule, pretty tough. They go to USC this weekend. They're only a three and a half point favorite. Total on that game bomb, seventy six and a half. Defense will be optional Saturday night against the Trojans. Uh, USC has kind of fallen apart, but you know they play a team that doesn't play defense. Count them in. Uh, Washington plays Utah at Oregon State and Washington State big rivalry game there. So can the Huskies make it out of the Pac-12 unscathed? I don't know, but to this point, they got to be my third team. Uh, and then I, you got to give it to Michigan. You know, despite stealing the signs, despite playing nobody, uh, I can't give it to Ohio State. Despite taking down my nets, another win on Saturday night on the road at Camp Randall. Uh, got to got to go, Michigan. They've held the upper hand uh, in that rivalry with Ohio State. So I'll go Georgia, Florida State, uh, Washington, and. Michigan, but like I said, a uh, lot to unfold. The game still has to happen. Uh, th- these teams in the Pac-12, Georgia's got to go to to an SEC championship. We have Alabama LSU Saturday night, big game in the SEC West. Um, I mean, you, you look at this list now, uh, bomb of the AP poll. I mean, who can win this thing? Who 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 do you project to be? Maybe in the playoff, maybe taking down a Georgia uh, in 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 January. Poof! I don't know that anyone can do that, but yeah, a team that maybe can fly up the rankings with um, with a schedule that gives them enough to do it. I think is Alabama. They have LSU coming off a bye, as they always do. You know, those SEC schools, man, they always have these primo schedules. Then they go to Kentucky. Then they have Chattanooga at home. Then they go to Auburn. Can they finish with one loss and represent the West? I don't know. That would be the team I've got my eye on. Um, I saw a couple weeks ago, I, I put in some insane parlay when you know I was wearing my Phillies overalls and stuffing the Budweiser's in the chest. I had Phillies... World Series, Eagles, Super Bowl, Flyers over regular season points, and Alabama over nine and a half wins. That was the win total at the time. Wow. Um, but now I think it's 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 easily ten and a half, and, and they should get to 11 if they win uh, hosting LSU Saturday night. And then, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll get probably like a pretty untested Georgia team in the SEC championship game, and then – you know, it would only be right in the last year of the four-team playoff to get Georgia and Alabama in, right? Two SEC teams, let everybody else across the country beat up on each other and, and not not earn a spot. Um, but, yeah, what are your thoughts on Oregon? I, I know you're you're not a Bo Nix guy, uh, but they, they beat the piss out of Utah on Saturday. I, I mean, they really could have, should have won that Washington game. Uh, they have Cal, USC, Arizona State, and Oregon State left. Uh, mm-hmm. Can they win out? Maybe, maybe 
win a Pac-12 championship and get in with one loss. That's a team I'm looking at. I, yeah. I like I like Dan Lanning. Um, you know, and and he coached obviously at Georgia, right? He, he he's a winner. He's seen how it's done. Uh, got the pedigree. It's just uh, can can Bo Nix at at 38 years old get over the hump? Uh, the question, the game I've circled is: Can Bo Nix win a shootout against Caleb Williams in USC? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got some faith in the Oregon defense to, to slow USC down a little bit, especially what we've seen from the Trojans in the past few weeks. Uh, but that's not to say that USC couldn't light them up and it'd, it'd be a big shootout. And don't forget their last game of the year uh, in terms of regular season is against Oregon State, who's no slouch. So you, you have, I believe their next four are um, Cal, come, Cal coming to Eugene, USC coming to Eugene, Road game at Arizona State, and then you're hosting the uh, the state championship against Oregon State. So I don't know. I think it's going to be tough for them to go four and zero there. In which case, if they don't go four and zero, they have two losses. They're out, right? Yeah. I'll tell you a team I'm looking at. I watched their game on Saturday night, and of course. You know, you, this committee will, will will shit on them and tell them, oh, they're no good, and we're not even, you know, they're not a factor. I'm, I'm looking at a team here that um, has only played one game all year that has been within a touchdown, okay? The rest of the games, they've won by double digits. And I'm looking at the Air Force Falcons out of the Mountain Let's West. Let's go. Let's go. 8-0. They absolutely stomped on Colorado State. On Saturday night in the snow, they obviously run a, a you know kind of that triple option type offense, but they sprinkle in more passing than you see from the service academies. They have shown the ability to put up some points, and their next four games they have a rivalry game against Army, then they go to Hawaii, then they host UNLV, and then they go to the Blue Turf, Boise State. Can they finish off an undefeated season? Because let me tell you something. If this chaos occurs and you have some of these teams up near the top begin to get a second loss, a first loss, then lose in a conference championship, I don't want to hear. And this is the final year of the four-teamer, right, G? It's the final it year. Is. Give me maximum chaos. I, I want Air Force. Air Force. Team number four. Give it, Everyone say it with me. Air Force. I don't want to see... You know, two lost this, two lost that, and I know I'm I'm begging for it. It's the final year. There's there's no be- let's just watch Georgia and Air Force. I mean, we already saw fucking Alabama and Cincinnati. Get let's throw a bone to the service guys. Let's throw a bone to the troops. Yeah, support the troops. I'm in on that. It's interesting now to kind of hash this out and and look at some of the schedules and a lot lot of one loss teams. I mean, if Alabama can run the table. It's it's them Georgia and and then you know uh, a smorgasbord of you know one loss conference champions most likely like you talk you think about it now here in October and what a lot of the talking heads have said about college football like oh it's it's anyone's game this year I think in six weeks it's it's going to be the same old same old that we've seen in the four team playoff uh, which which is which is a shame uh, but. We'll get the best four teams in there and and uh, celebrate the last year of the the four team format before Penn State becomes a perennial playoff contender in the in the twelve team uh, format. Are, are they? I, 
remind me on the the twelve teamer. They're do it would be campus games as the first round, right? I believe I believe that is the case. Like the week before Christmas. So you know, if anything, it'll be another week for JF to to pump the one ten strong. Come on, I need you. I need you this week. Yeah. You know they'll beat up on a on a group of five team in game one or eke one out and then just go absolutely get fucking jail raped by uh, by Georgia. But um, <laughs> hey, at least it's another game to sell tickets, another reason to pop you for a, a $200 parking pass, another reason to go up there and slam the cowbell and sing the, sing the zombie nation and mo-ba-mo-ba-ba. Oh, we are! Let's go! I mean, I, this I'm so jacked up for the playoff. Dude, I, I don't think I brought this up when I went to the West Virginia game this year, but like the, maybe I did, but they need, they need a new DJ like, and they, they need new <laughs> songs. Like it's, it's, uh, like I can't, I can't do the roar, but like it, and Mo Bamba, they must play that 40 times. Um, yeah, it's, it's just old man. They, they, it's bad. It's, it's kind of rotten. And we, we didn't touch on it last week. But I sent it to you after the fact. The balls on this guy Franklin um, after the Ohio State game. He, he, before he, before he lets the reporters ask the questions, he gives his opening statement. Yeah, credit to Coach Day and Ohio State. A lot of respect for the program. And he said, "But I'm not sure if we didn't just watch two of the best teams in college football." Oh my god, <laughs> I'm not sure we watched two. Both, I think they both stink. How's that? How's that for? <laughs> come on, man. That was bad. I mean, like, read the room. Read, read the room. Like, he's he's very out of touch. Uh, I know you got to advertise and and pump up your team and your program, but after that offensive output and kind of another clunker Saturday, like, just just be quiet and and go try to shock the world in two weeks when Michigan comes to town. But we know that won't happen. Uh, any, anything else on the on the college front? No, I mean I I think it's a little light. I mean, you want to talk about Heisman? I they were, you know, I don't know. Is this a new thing that ESPN does? I'm flipping through the channels in the in the hotel on Friday night, and they have a whole Heisman program with like the guys, and they're talking about the Heisman contenders. I mean, I've ne- I, I've never been more turned off by like a, a field of Heisman contenders as I have this year. I mean, who is it? Like Michael Penix, Bo Nix, like. I guess if it were me, I'd pick. I think Harrison's the best player in the country. I think that's obvious. I think so too. But can they get him the ball? Can, can he? Can he? I know he could stat, stuff the stats in Philly's offense, but can he stuff the stats at Ohio State enough to get the Heisman? I, I don't know. But I mean, I've never seen like a lighter group of Heisman candidates outside of Harrison than this year. Yeah, I, th- I think if Washington takes a loss, I think Harrison will be the guy. Um, but you're not a Penix guy, man. Like. Dude, watching a lefty just chuck it is is so fun to me. No, no, I'm not a Penix guy. Yeah, I mean, a Heisman t- Trophy candidate is supposed to strike fear in your heart. Michael Penix does not strike fear in my heart. I can't yeah, imagine a guy who's dressed up like Grimace torching my team. The per- I think it's the purple jerseys, the fact that he's a lefty, but he's not really like a scrambling lefty like Mike Vick, like. I mean, obviously he's a great player. He's put up great numbers, but like, my brain is broken watching him play. Like, I just don't perceive him as like a Heisman candidate. I think he'd get eaten up by an Alabama or a Georgia defense, and the same could be said about other Heisman winners. But 
you know, Heisman's most valuable player in college football, right? Like, I think it's got to be Marvin Harrison right now. That If they don't have him, I don't think Ohio State's undefeated at this point. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see what the rankings bring. We'll 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 see what paths teams have to the Final Four team college football playoff. We'll get to our last order of business. Some more picks, uh, and happy to announce uh, that the pick segment this week and and going forward for a bit here will be brought to you by our friends at Sharps with the Sharps app. Uh, It is a free, transparent sports betting community. You can link your sports books and share your verified bets and stats with the world. The app is available on iOS. Download it today. Bomb, you're on there. I'm on there. Uh, I think it's, it's it's a pretty cool app, right? Like you think about every Saturday or Sunday, um, you're you're taking screenshots and sending it out in 30 group chats and back and forth. Who likes what? I like this. Um, it eliminates all that work, right? You link your sports book. You place your bets. You can share the ones that you want to share, but people can look at your profile and see them all. There's no hiding, right? Everybody's got a record. Most of the ones I've seen on there are all losing, but hey, it's it's transparent, right? Um, so so I, I'm enjoying it thus far and, and happy to be partnering uh, with Sharps. Yeah, I agree. I just joined and I, I'd say a really good sign is that most of the records on there are losing because you see every Tom, Dick and Harry on Instagram with their betting profile, year to date, year to date, I'm at 750 winning percentage. It's like, buddy, no way. There's just no way. Yeah, so, up, uh, up 150 units. 150 units. I'm up, I'm up 150 on the year. Uh, here's my pick for this week and you just get killed. So I think uh, I think this is a much needed, much needed platform. Uh, let's let's uh, let's trust but verify. Let's 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 see who people like. And yeah, to your point, cuts down on the legwork. Like just pop on the bomb, pop on the G profile. You, you don't need a Texas. I mean, although I do like the back and forth. You know, when, especially when we're on another side. So, uh, but it gives you the picks. Well, you can you can let, you can back you can fade you can comment um, you know if you want to provide rationale on a pick you can post one and share that way so uh, a lot of flexibility and opportunity uh, in the sharps app but yeah I agree too you know nobody's going to send you the slip after the fact like hey I just won like it, it'll be there before so pretty cool stuff from sharps check it out uh, download the app sign up. Uh, we'll put the link in the episode description. I believe it's on the Instagram as well. Uh, and use code TFTS977 uh, to sign up and, and follow me and Bob. And we'll, we'll give you a follow back. We'll check out check out the plays. But we still will give our podcast plays uh, and keep those records going. It is Monday evening ahead of Monday Night Football. So Bob's Lions pick from last week is pending, but he's sitting at 11-5 and five on the year after an outright win from the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, uh, covering the 11 and then some. Uh, and I'm sitting at 11-6, and six, uh, cashing on the Wisconsin Badgers by half a point uh, and losing, the on the Was- losing with the Washington Commanders by half of a point. I'm not going to sit here and say uh, it was the right side when – the Eagles only punted twice and turned it over inside the 10 two times. But, you know, it was a pretty tight game. 
<laughs> what was the final of that Eagles game? 38-31? Yeah, I was really hoping when uh, when the Washington scored that garbage Dude. time touchdown that they would go for two. Dude, Ron Rivera, I didn't even consider that. I didn't even, I didn't know, the, I forget, totally forgot the line. That guy is dumb as bricks because the literally, Doug Peterson in that scenario, you go for two. You go for two. He, and then he had he had the Eagles on the ropes in Philly, and he kicks the PAT to go to OT. It's like, buddy, take your shot there. He's awful. No. More malpractice. More uh, managerial or head coaching malpractice. Uh, but let's, let's get to the podcast picks. We're going to keep those going as well. Um, I'll start in college bomb Saturday. Let you uh, get dialed up over there. But, again, scouring the board, looking for – Odd lines, and this is an odd line, but I'm going to go against it, I think. Um, 12 o'clock Saturday in Death Valley, Notre Dame at Clemson. Uh, Notre Dame sitting at 7-2, and two, 12 in the AP, AP ranking. Uh, Clemson at 4-4, four and four, as I mentioned earlier. Dabo with some of the oddest sound bites from a head coach you'll hear uh, in recent memory talking about his team and how pitiful they've been. Uh, Clemson, the program is crumbling. The team is crumbling. Uh, the Irish coming in off of a bye week, only laying two and a half uh, on the road. I think Notre Dame still has stuff to play for, a 10-win season, potentially a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, Clemson is reeling. Give me the Irish, uh, minus two and a half at Clemson on Saturday at 12 o'clock. I like it, G. I like it. I got another ACC play for you. So you got you got you got Clemson and Notre Dame, you know, an independent, but for all intents and purposes, it plays the ACC schedule. Let's look at Florida State coming in the pit, coming into the ketchup bottle, or I should say, the old ketchup bottle. <laughs> and uh, some very interesting comments from Pat Narduzzi, who I think is a total fraud. Talked about how. Uh, you know, that, that blowout loss to Notre Dame. Did you see the final G? 58-7. to They got fucking throttled. Throttled. They lost in every every aspect of the game. Defense, offense, special teams. I think there was a punt return, a punt block. It was horrific. And he said after the game that, you know, it's on him because he had a good roster last year and just did, didn't – clearly they didn't do a good job recruiting. It's funny. It comes a few months after he said that – Deion Sanders wasn't going about it the right way in terms of how he remade his roster through the portal. So, you know, Narduzzi, maybe you need to look in the portal after you lose by 50 to Notre Dame. But I think this is a spot here where if there's ever a time to take a home dog against a top 10 team, they're getting 22 points at home. You know that field, G. It's not a fast track. It's a sloppy track. It's starting to get colder. It's Pittsburgh, winds swirling, you know, slop all over the field. 22 points is a lot of points. They just lost by 50. They're playing the best team they're going to play all year. It's a, it's a, a, a conference rival in Florida State. I'm taking Pitt. You can call me crazy. I'm taking the Panthers and the 22 points. The Pitt Panthers. I like that. I like that. Florida State coming up north. Slop fest. Narduzzi is usually a good good motivator despite the struggles and awful blowout. It's a good spot, and I, I don't know why the uh, you know the app I look at the schedules with and the scores and the line says 
Notre Dame week 11 bye, but it's ahead of the week 10 game against Clemson. So Notre Dame's not off a bye, just for the record. I, I said that uh, earlier, but they're they're off of an absolute thrashing of... It's basically a bye. Of Pittsburgh. Yeah, basically a bye. So yeah, they are off a bye. All right, cool. Um, but yeah, so Notre Dame for me, Pitt for bomb. We'll go to the NFL. And I'm going first thing in the morning. NFL, probably the most anticipated game of the week. I mean, we do have... Bengals who look like they're back a little bit uh, and Bills on Sunday night football, but I'm going out to Frankfurt, Germany, and it'll be 9.30 a.m. Eastern here in the States. The 6-2 and two Dolphins take on the 6-2 and two Kansas City Chiefs and what could be a potential AFC playoff matchup. I'm going to take the Chiefs, minus two and a half. Uh, They are off a loss at mile high against the Denver Broncos. The Dolphins are off another big win against a shitty team in New England. Uh, And the reason why I like the Chiefs, I think I said it earlier in the show, their defense has been the strength of their team this year. And I think their defense will be able to do enough uh, to to Tyreek Hill. Uh, the Dolphins, I believe, are down three starters on the offensive line, and you know that Tua needs to be protected at all costs. Uh, I think the Chiefs have an opportunity to to rattle his cage a little bit. They're very familiar with Tyreek, uh, and I wouldn't count on Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey uh, and the rest of that Chiefs offense not getting the ball rolling after uh, a pretty poor performance against Denver on Sunday. So I look for Big Red and the Chiefs to bounce back uh, in a big matchup against the Dolphins on Sunday morning. I like it, G. Minus two and a half, Chiefs. Minus two and a half, wow. Well, I got another game that's looking at minus two and a half, and this might be this might be a bet of the year. This might be a, unload the clip, like whatever you have and I'm out of money. Like I had to put limits on the account, like just so we're clear. I'm I'm at, totally out of cash. They've locked the account. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for November to hit. I'm hoping it resets. We'll see. I don't know. Dude. Play, playoff baseball has ended bomb. Dude, it's, it's funny because I was having a good year too until I uh, unloaded on the Phillies in, in game six and seven. I took all my football cash and, and bet with my heart like a total jerk off. But I have to say, dude, you're if you're gonna call this potentially a game of the year, like yeah. I stopped I stopped sharing the the picks on social in advance. I mean now we have the sharps thing, but I stopped sharing the podcast picks on social in advance to try to entice people to listen, especially with the records that we have this year. Like I'll just post the results after and try to entice people to listen to the new episode and the fresh picks. But pick of the year, this this might have to be clipped, Bomb. This might have to be clipped and shared ahead of time. Well, I might need I might need to Venmo use some cash because I'm locked out. I'm <laughs> I'm tapped out. Um You know my disdain for all things Frank Reich. And I think there's only one other guy who hates Frank Reich. And Carson Wentz as much as me, and his name is Jim Ursay. And you have a guy who brought in Shane Steichen from the Eagles. The offense is humming. I mean, granted they lost, but they ha- they scored 27 in that game um, against the Saints. Good defense just, there, too. 
They just lost by a point to the Browns the week before. They put up 38 points with their backup quarterback. So that, in my opinion, that offense is humming. Let's compare and contrast that to the dinky little um, Carolina Panthers who pulled out their first win, scoring 15 points, kicking field goals all over the field. I'm supposed to think that that they're going to keep it within the number, two and a half at home. Bryce Young stinks. Frank Reich stinks. Jim Ursay, if he hasn't already, has probably marched into Shane Steichen's office and said, Buddy, circle it. He ha- he's had this game circled all year as an owner. He's walking to his new head coach and saying, I don't care what you have to do. We have to bury this team on Sunday. I hate Frank Reich. He's the guy that brought in Carson Wentz. Let's just totally destroy them. So this is a bet on Jim Ursay. This is a bet on Shane Steichen. Take the Colts. Lay the two and a half. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna follow you there. Um, and yeah, you talk about the Colts' offense, even with Garner Minshew putting up points on on New Orleans and Cleveland. That's two of the the best defenses in the NFL this year. So impressive stuff. Awful loss. Panthers off the big win. The, their fucking kicker kicked like a. a Less than an extra point now with the extra point being moved back. He kicked like a 20-yarder to, to get their first dub and, you know, ran off like he hit the lottery. That was that was, <laughs> that was pretty awesome. Uh, but those are the picks. Uh, any any last, you know, nuggets, wor- words of wisdom for people as uh, we head into Halloween and head into to Dallas week? No, no, no nuggets, no, no words of wisdom. Um Great month, great month. Let's let's just let's just buckle up, buckle the chin strap, G. It's it's buckle in time. Home stretch of football playoff pictures taking shape. We'll wish everybody a happy Halloween. We'll say thanks to Sharps, thanks to Menard Premium Detailing, and thank you for listening. Go Birds, beat Dallas. Go Birds, beat Dallas.